what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read the Christmas uh, story out of Scripture. We have a bunch of six wonderful volunteers to read today. And we're going to work our way through, really, it's Matthew and Luke. We're going to combine those two because that's kind of the chronological order of what happened. They record different parts of it. So we're going to look at the whole event kind of unfolded together. We don't get much time to do that. I'm going to comment on a few of those on these verses a little bit. And then I have a little message for you for Christmas at the end of that. So with that said, our, our first reader will be Demetrius, and he's got his wonderful bride, Carolyn, with him today. We already acknowledge that. Praise the Lord, Carolyn. his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Joseph, a lot of people talk about Mary at Christmas, right? But what we see in this little piece of scripture here is that Joseph was an amazing man of God. He was, he was a faithful man of God. We see that he knew the word of God. It says he knew the law, which would be the word of God. He obeyed the word of God. But we also see a loving kindness in Joseph here, don't, do we not? I mean, look what he says. I mean, he, he's finding out that, that Mary is with child. Uh, they live in this small town of Nazareth. And if you can picture a small town, you always had your gossips. And everybody starts talking. You know, Mary's pregnant. And they haven't been formally in, into intimate relationship yet. Whose child is this? Is it adultery? Is it fornication? And to the Jews, this was a big sin. And so all this pressure is coming on Joseph and coming on Mary about the persecution and, and the ridicule that's going to come from this small town. And so when Joseph finds out she's with child, what do you think the normal response would be? How about this? What would your response be? I think normally there'd be great jealousy. you got to remember that that Joseph grew up with Mary. They were probably betrothed for a long time as children. They grew up together. They knew each other. And then he finds this out. This woman he'd been waiting for most of his life. Now he finds out she's with child. He would have been filled with jealousy, anger, revenge, right? And how about this? He could also call for a stoning. My wife is an adulterer, people. We must take her to the city square and stone her. But how does Joseph respond? 
It says it's a loving kindness. He says he didn't want to make a public disgrace of her. He didn't want to humiliate her in front of the town people. And he said, so what he did instead is he, he chose to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a man of God. Another reason we could see he's a man of God, then the Lord appeared to him in a dream in that night with an overwhelming revelation of the truth behind this whole thing. And he tells the, the Lord tells him to take Mary to be your wife. The child is of the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from his sins. An amazing message that Joseph receives from the Lord. So when Joseph wakes up, what does he do? He has doubts. He goes to seek godly counsel. He wants a season to pray about this. No, he's a man of God. He knows God's voice. He knows God's word. When the word came, he got up immediately, believed the word of God, and obeyed the word of God. That's a follower of Jesus. That's a follower of, their, of our Lord. And he believed and obeyed this word, even though he knew for the rest of his life he would be facing some pretty extreme persecution from the people of Israel. He, he never got away from that reputation of, was it adultery? Was it fornication? What, what happened? Why was, why was Mary pregnant before they consummated the marriage? But it didn't matter to him because he, he deserved... He desired to serve and please the Lord above all else. He was a man of God. So with that, we'll go on to the next reading. Who's number two? I forgot. Okay, Carrie's number two. Okay. And this is a reading from Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And when all went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Thank you, Carol. Gary, appreciate that. So here's a question for you, brothers and sisters. Have you ever been in a difficult trial? Have you ever been in a time where God was strengthening your faith through hardships? Have you been in a trial like that? And just when you believe you couldn't take any more? Things got worse and not better. Has that happened to you? If you're a follower of Jesus, it's happened to all of us. And that's what's going on here. We, we can read these stories and not really put ourselves into the position of Joseph and Mary. They're under an incredible trial, and just when they think it couldn't get any worse, it does. They're struggling to understand, what is God I mean, we just take it for granted. We're trying to say, what is God doing? What do you, what do you mean that I have a baby by the Holy Spirit? We read that and say, oh yeah, they had a baby by the Holy Spirit. What? They had a baby by the Holy Spirit. And they're saying that this son is coming, he's going to deliver us from our sins. What does that mean? So you can picture they're struggling with this issue. They're, they're realizing the persecution from their local townspeople in Nazareth. It's a trial they're under. Joseph is having to believe Mary in this and believe the Lord and trust the Lord in this, not knowing what's going to happen. And then when they think it's as bad as it can get, 
Out comes this census from Rome that everybody has to return to the town they were born in to report to duty. Right? Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but there weren't Ubers back then. And, and there weren't pace buses. What you had to do is you had to walk. You might have had a donkey, but you had to walk. And it's rocky, hilly terrain from Nazareth to Bethlehem. A typical journey would take about seven days. That's assuming you're not seven to eight months pregnant. So this would have been a very difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Mary, they had a donkey probably, but still this journey was very difficult for them to get there. A difficult trial as they were. And they had to sleep along the roadside probably uh, until they, till they got to, to Bethlehem. And you know, when they get there, of course they had to be physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted. Can you picture this in your mind, this whole thing? This whole trial and the tribulation, probably sleepless nights. And then they get to Bethlehem, and I'm sorry, this is the way I see it. I would say, okay, God, I want a king-size bed. I'm carrying your child here. This is the only begotten son of God. I'm expecting a king-size bed with a little room service. I mean, this is your son, right? But when they get there, what happens? There's no room in the inn. So you think you're over it, and it, you know, it just keeps getting a little bit more difficult for Mary and Joseph. I think we could take it for granted. Let me give you just a little historical context, because some of you like that stuff. But the Israel people, the people of Israel, it was, it was a sin not to welcome a stranger into your home that came into your town. They all believed you had to practice hospitality. So if a stranger came to your town and had no place to stay, your responsibility was, hey, come stay with us. We got a bed for you. We, we, we'll, we'll take, give me your donkey. We got a place for them. We'll get them some hay. Come on in. We'll get you a nice meal of hummus and, and some lamb. But what had happened over time is the people got together and they started to build inns. They said, listen, why don't we build one bigger house? We'll all pitch in and pay for it. So when strangers come to town, we have a place for them to stay. That's why you see the word inn in here. So they got there and there was no room in the inn, right? So where did they have to stay? The barn. They had to stay in the barn. And uh, you got to picture this too. We'd maybe forget this. But since the inn is full, the barn's full. Everybody's brought their animals with them. There's donkeys in there and cows and all kinds of animals in this barn. And so this is where Mary and Joseph have to stay. What do you think that barn scene looked like? How about the sounds? Have you ever been around animals? They're not exactly quiet. We even have a snoring dog. I mean, our dog snores. It's hard to sleep with our dog. But it's noisy, it smells, and here's where God the Father had ordained that his only begotten son would be born. It's hard to phantom, isn't it? It's hard to believe that God would do this to to his son. Let me just say this as an application point. The trials of God. Maybe some of you are in a trial right now. They're, they're difficult. They're unpredictable. They're hard to persevere through. But know this, they're also wonderful. They're transforming. They draw us near to Jesus like nothing else. It's one of his greatest tools to build us up in the faith as a trial. He was preparing Mary and Joseph for the life that was ahead of them to be the parents of Jesus. And I don't think anything was as difficult as this except the cross itself, which was coming in some 30 plus years later. 
So with that, let's go on to the next reading, which is Robin. We'll read the next one. We're to Luke 2, 8 through 14. She's dressed appropriately for, for this reading, I see. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Charlie. Saint Robin. Oh. <laughs> you're born again. You're a saint. Amen. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Thank you, Robin. Very good, Robin. Thank you. <laughs> this is, isn't this a beautiful piece of scripture? I think it's one we're all familiar with. It's a, we, we, we get a window into heaven, don't we? As the angels appear and, and they're singing. I love this. Glory to God in the highest. It says multitude. That means it's countless angels are singing this, this praise and worship to our God and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's okay, Helen. I'm only going to preach for another 30, 40 minutes. You'll be all right. You could be first in the food line. How about that? I love you, Holland. It's okay. So, you know, we can read this about Mary and Joseph, but there's also the reality that they're no different than us, that there's doubts, there's discouragement, they're in this barn, this baby's born. they got to place this baby in a manger, which is a feeding trough for an animal. And you, you, can't, you can't just think, and they're just taking this with, with great joy continuously. There's doubts, there's discouragement, there's challenges in their lives. But God the Father is sovereign, and he knows that. So even as this baby's being born, God is preparing to send messengers to them to encourage them in this difficult trial. Isn't that wonderful? So, so he, he's in control, and he, and he sees this, so he, he sends his angels to, to prepare these shepherds with his great message that uh, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that was promised to you. And to verify it, he sends countless angels to, to sing that praise. So the, the shepherds had no doubt of, of the truth behind this. I have to ask you this. Have you experienced this in your own life? Have, have, you, have you been in the middle of a trial where it's very difficult and overwhelming and at just the right time God sent just the right messenger with just the right message? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise God the Father. It's, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's at the right time with the right message He sends someone to encourage us. It's miraculous. Now sometimes for some of us it... It may be simply, in, as we're reading the Word in the morning, we get the message from God Himself directly through the Word as He speaks to us and gives us the encouragement we need at those moments. It is an amazing truth about God. He knows exactly what we need and gives us exactly what we need at exactly the right moment. Yeah, praise the Lord, Robin. Amen. 
That's our Lord and Savior. So he's preparing these these, uh, shepherds with this message. And uh, Wally's going to come and read the next verse as we see they come to uh, visit they come to visit Mary and Joseph. So they get this message, they're overwhelmed, and, and they hurry off to go uh, bring this message to them. This is from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Thank you, Wally. Appreciate that. So there it is. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. This is the message these shepherds brought back to Mary and Joseph. This is the message they received from the angels, and they brought it back to them. Come on, brothers, let's picture that. Mary and Joseph were like, yes, it is true. It's okay that we're in this barn. This is God's sovereign plan. We don't understand it, but we're going to embrace it. This is God's will for our lives. Be encouraged. Has that happened to you? The trials are in our lives. We don't understand them. God encourages us, and we, we choose to live by faith. We choose to live by faith. Mary and Joseph had to choose to live by faith, even though their life was going to be difficult from then on. And Mary says she held it in her heart. She was encouraged. She held on to this truth from God that surely carried her all the way to the cross. It's beautiful. We've got another one for you. Um, Anne's going to read the next scripture here. And now we're in Matthew 2, 1 through 6. This is another beautiful sovereign work of God in the Christmas story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, And teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Amen. Thank you, Anne. By the way, since Anne was up here, Anne's the one that does our flowers all the time, aren't they? That's the Christmas flowers. 
So, brothers and sisters, again here in the Christmas story, we see the sovereignty of God at work. He provided miraculous encouragement through the shepherds. Now he's going to provide provisions for Mary and Joseph. They don't even know why they're going to need this yet, but he's bringing provisions to them that they're going to need as the persecution continues. But what else is amazing, I mean, look at how God does this. God could do this any way he wants to do it, but he picks magi, which are Gentile wise men. These are Gentiles. And he leads them to Bethlehem by what? A star. Does that happen? To you? I don't get, I have, I use my phone to get me to places. They, these, guys had, these guys had a star leading them all the way there. And then I love this because you, I could, we could do a whole sermon on this text alone because then the star goes out, which is, was probably an angel, because God the Father and his sovereignty wanted them to go see King Herod to make the announcement that the king of the Jews is born, and then all of Israel would hear through them, through the wise men, because the high priests are called into this meeting. So through this, putting the star out for a little bit, he uses these Gentile wise men to inform all of Israel that the Messiah had come. But we also see that there's some persecution uh, growing. It's another level of persecution. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed with all of Jerusalem with him. They weren't too keen on the idea that the Messiah had come. So it sets it up for the next one, which is, Jay is going to lead the, the last piece of scripture for us this morning. Matthew 2, 7 through 12. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the, over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Hmm. Thank you, Jay. So we see a lot of things in this about the sovereignty of God. First of all, we see Satan show up on the scene here. Satan's part of the Christmas story. Because we see Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Why did he want to know that? So he could get the right size clothes for the infant? No, he wanted to know the age of the child because he's about ready to do a massacre of all the childs that age or, or younger. That, that, that's Satan showing up. But... We also see the sovereignty of God and that these, these magi, these Gentiles come and, and, they, and as soon as they get done telling them, they come outside and the star reappears. Okay, he said, you're done with that part of the mission. Now I'm going to take you to this, this, this Jesus, the Messiah. They go there and when they get there, what do they do? They bow down and worship him. By the way, they don't worship, worship Mary. It says they worship him. They worship Jesus, the Savior. And then they open up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the idea there is they want Jesus to live the good life. 
No. <laughs> uh, the whole point of this is, well, they didn't know at the time, but shortly after the persecution will start, they'll start killing the babies, they'll get a vision from God, they must leave Bethlehem and they go to, thank you, they go to Egypt, they're exiled to Egypt. So God sovereignly provided gold, frankincense, and myrrh so that they would have provisions for this time in exile where they would be in Egypt until God gave them another vision and told them it was okay to return because Herod had been dead. Do you see God's sovereign hand in this whole scenario? It's unbelievable. And I love the fact that way before Paul became the apostle of the Gentiles, God was already working in the Gentiles' lives because he used the Gentiles to come to bring this message and encouragement and provision to Mary and Joseph. Okay, so that's the Christmas story. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Now let's get into a little application and truth here. Got to get in your kitchen a little bit this morning. I mean, the question is, you know, let's just start off with this verse here. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in. There was no place for them in the inn. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. So the very Son of God, the very Son of God leaves the heavenly throne with his Father, which is imperfect in every way, filled with the glory of the Father. And Jesus himself is fully glorified. And he comes to be born a man. He comes into a world filled with his enemies. And, and he comes there to be born a man and that he might make a way for man to be saved. Right? We all know this. But I don't know about you, but in human reasoning, I'd say, God, God, you're all powerful. You're all knowing. You're all present. Couldn't you have arranged for Jesus to be born in a king's castle, to be born a prince, to be born a king in, 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 in a home where he'd be safe? He'd be in a castle and they protect him. And then look, he, he's, he's part of a king's kingdom. He has a platform for ministry. He's protected. He has an audience. He has respect and honor. Why couldn't you do that? Why why did it have to be so hard? Could God have done that? He could have done that, but he didn't do that. He had him born in a barn with smelly, stinky animals, and he had him born as a stepdad, as a poor carpenter out of Nazareth. That's what God chose to do. Let's look at a couple other truths about the life of Jesus. Look at this one here. This is when he's in his life of ministry, and it says here, And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He came to his hometown. And as was custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. And then he read that. When they heard these things... All in the synagogues were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that there they could throw him down the cliff. And the the part that's not in here, you'll read the rest of the gospel stories. They said, well, isn't isn't this Jesus? Isn't this the son of Joseph and Mary? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Who is he to be... Proclaiming the gospel to us. But I want you to see this. There was no room in the inn. There was no room in his hometown. The people of his own hometown wanted to kill him when he preached the gospel. That's the life of Jesus. Another one. Jesus himself said this. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but 
the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, come on, Dad. <laughs> right? Can't I at least have a small apartment somewhere that I can get away? <laughs> Doesn't have to be lux- you know, luxury furnishings or anything, but just some place where I have my own bed where I could get some rest. This is a difficult call you put on me, Dad. And his father said no. Right? Where did Jesus sleep? Someone else's bed on the roadside. He didn't have a place to get away. In fact, we know that Jesus did get away, but what did he do? He'd wake up early before everybody else and go to the mountaintop to be with Dad. So there was no room in the inn. There was no room in his hometown. He didn't have his own room. Another one. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, away, from, away, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now you have to remember that these people that are yelling this out, crucify him, probably many of them had been healed by Jesus. If they hadn't been directly healed, someone they loved had been healed by Jesus. And many, if not all, had heard the powerful preaching of Jesus by this time at the end of his ministry. But yet here the people say, crucify him. My point to you, brothers and sisters, there was no room in the inn. There was no room in his hometown. He had no room of his own. And even the people of Israel had no room in their hearts for the Messiah. Is this a Merry Christmas message? (laughs) It will be. But you have to picture that. These are the people that knew him best. These are people that were given the word of God. These are the people that have been waiting for the Messiah. And when he came, they had no room in their hearts for him. A couple more. This is the... This is the most severe one to me. Look at this. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. Luke 22.2 says, And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Isn't it amazing, brothers and sisters? There was no room in the church for Jesus. This was his dad's house. We saw him get enraged a couple of times as he overturned the money changers, right? He said, this is a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. But as he preached faithfully the word of God in the church, let's call it that, the church had no place for Jesus either. And lastly, one more. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, and which he had cut into the rock. And he rolled a great stone at the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. So Jesus... There was no room in the inn at his birth. He was laid in a manger, a feeding trough. There was no room in his hometown. There was no place to lay his head. There was no room in the hearts of the people of Israel. Sadly, there was no room in the church. And now there's no room in the cemetery. 
He was laid in someone else's tomb. By the way, if Jesus came in our day, do you think we'd have room? Do you think there'd be room in the government? If he went to the government and proclaimed the gospel? Do you think there'd be room in the schools? They kicked Jesus out of the schools in the 1940s. They kicked him out of the courthouses. They kicked him out of government. How about the church? What do you think? There's many churches that endorse homosexual marriage. Do you think Jesus would be comfortable in that church? People that promote abortion. Okay, let's get to the good news. The good news. All this happened to Jesus because it was the sovereign will of God the Father. This is the life. It's called the, the season of humility is what they talk about. This is as we sang today. This was ordained by God that Jesus would suffer and face extreme humiliation, even the humiliation of the cross. That was God's plan. But here's the good news. Are you ready? There's no room for Jesus so that there would be room for us. Amen. He was born to suffer so that we might be born again. He, he had to make great sacrifices so that we might be saved. He had to leave heaven so that we might go to heaven. So you see, God the Father allowed his son to experience great humility, even the humiliation of the cross, that we might, don't miss this, that we might humble ourselves and be saved. You know, when Jesus says, deny self, pick up your cross and follow me. He knows what that means. So stay with me a few more minutes here because I want you to get this. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you see, brothers and sisters, if Jesus had been born in a palace, as if he had been born a king, very few people can relate to Jesus. Very few people feel comfortable coming to Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to save kings only. He came to save all people. So he had to make a way that was wide and broad so that all might receive the gospel. The rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, red, yellow, black, and white, he made a way that all can come to the cross. Have you come to the cross? Are you weary? Are you tired of doing life your own way? Are you tired of carrying the burdens of your own sins? Jesus says, come to me. All are welcome at the cross. Look at my life. Who can I not relate to? Who can I not empathize with? Who can I not understand the pain and suffering that you're going through? Maybe you're filled with unforgiveness for something that happened to you. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're lonely and full of despair. Jesus has come. Come to me. I will give you rest. 
He's the only one that can give us rest. He's the only one that can give us joy, peace, and love. He's the only one that will satisfy the desires of our heart. If you're sitting here today and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, come. What are you waiting for? Aren't you sick and tired of trying to do this your own way? Come to Jesus. Look at this next verse. Little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, even the little kids. He says, everyone is welcome. Even little children can understand the gospel. Come to me. And some of you may, this last verse may have probably, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? By the way, just to put it in our context, tax collectors and sinners would be murderers, rapists, and pedophiles. These were the worst sinners of Israel. Tax collectors were considered traitors of the nation of Israel. They had turned against Israel and aligned with Rome. So he's saying, come murderers, rapists, pedophiles, all the sins that anybody's committed, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, any kind of sin pattern that you're involved in, come to me and I will give you rest. Some of you may be sitting and thinking, well, he wouldn't forgive my sin. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants you to come, humble yourself, and be saved. And let me say to those of you who are saved, he still says come. Stop it. Don't encourage this, Robin. But he says come. You know, it's funny, around this time of year, if you watch any television at all, you see these shows where there's a perfect family with a perfect Christmas tree, with a perfect meal, and they're all getting perfect presents. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. Don't buy the lie. It's a lie. And I can tell you, we have a wonderful family. We have meals together every Sunday. It doesn't happen in our house. We actually don't have complete unity all the time. Do we, Mary? <laughs> she said, yes, we do. In fact, there's a sign in her house that says, don't let anybody know this family's not normal. Or something like that. I forgot how that sign goes. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, don't buy the lies of the world. Everybody is lonely at times. Everybody is discouraged at times. And there's only one place that's going to get satisfied. That's come to Jesus. As believers, we come to Jesus. When I'm lonely, when I need love, when I need joy, I don't find it under the Christmas tree. I find it in my Bible. I find it in prayer. He's the only one that can fill our hearts and give us the needs that we satisfy the needs that he's given us. So Christmas, come to Jesus. Don't buy the lies. But also, just as Mary had people that came and encouraged them, we need to be encouragers at this time of year. Because there's a lot of lost souls all around us at all the shopping malls and all the family gatherings and all the work-related things, and they need to be encouraged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to tell them the reason for the hope that lives within you. This is the time to do that. Amen? Okay, another half hour will be done. Now, look here for a minute, just a couple more encouraging verses for you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love this truth. 
See, there is no room in this world for Jesus. And by the way, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you're finding out there's no room in this world for you either. Amen? The longer I walk with Jesus, the more I hate this world. Is that okay? I want to go home to my home. But here's the deal. There's no room in this world for Jesus, but there is room for Jesus in our hearts. He's in our hearts. He's walking with you every day. He lives. If you were born again, Jesus lives inside of you. And he's walking with you. you can, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be with you in all trials and tribulations, all rejoicing and celebrations. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And then, and so this is, I love this too about Jesus. He says, and I will go, look at this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you will also be. Come on. There was no room for him anywhere in this world, no room for him in the inn, no room in his hometown, no room in the church. But he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to go make a room for you. That's our Lord and Savior. Amen, Demetrius. He's gone to make a place for us, and he will come back to take us to to the heavenly home we all belong in. You fired up about that? Fired up about that. 